Thank you. All right, Luke 17, Luke 17. We're going to talk about 10 lepers in the, uh, <clears throat> on the border between Judea and um, Samaria. And you're going to say, or somebody's going to say, what has that got to do with Christmas? Well, let me say something to you here, right? Everything's got to do with Christmas. Uh, everything in the Bible ends up with Jesus. So everything ultimately has to do with Christmas. And we're going to find our way uh, to the Christmas story uh, through it. Um, but what we're looking at today is we're looking at 10 lepers that Jesus heals. And one comes back. And he's the significant one in this story. He's the significant one because of what he does. And the question really for us is, are we one of the ten? Are, are, are we the, the one in ten, rather? Are we the person that actually comes back? Or are we the, like the other nine? I'm sure they weren't bad people. I'm sure they intended to give thanks. I'm sure they were thankful even in themselves. But they never came back. They never actually came back uh, to say thanks. And because they didn't come back to say thanks, they missed out. They missed out. Um, someday I'll write a book, maybe, all right? I want to get old. Uh, and I, you know what? I, one of the chapters will definitely be on thankfulness. It might even be the first chapter. Because it's so key to our lives, the ability to be thankful. Now, it's not natural to us. We're not naturally thankful, none of us. Uh, we have to actually think. We have to remember uh, to be thankful. Uh, but we have so much to be thankful for, so much to thank God for. It's so easy for us to get lost in all the things that are a problem and a bother and a difficulty to us. But it's so important that we actually are thankful. And the difference between the one in ten and the, and the nine is that he was thankful. So let me ask you again, are you the one in ten? Are you like the nine? Or if we translate that uh, out, uh, the 90% of people that are unthankful. Because that's really what Jesus is saying. 90% are unthankful. So you know what? It's much easier to fall into the 90% than the 1%. You don't fall into the 1%. You only get into the 1% on purpose. All right, let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll read our text. Father, would you bless us this morning? Now, Lord, we need your hand and your help. Put your uh, hand upon me, Lord, that I might speak those words that are exactly what you want said, Lord. Lord, would you put your hand upon this people, Lord, that they might hear what you have for them. And blessed Spirit, we know that you work in the midst of your people, Lord, and that you go way beyond uh, what's said from a pulpit, and that you can actually take and speak what's needed to each heart. Lord, would you do that today? Would you just speak to each heart? Thank you for the music. Thank you for the celebration of Christmas. But, oh, Lord, may it be uh, that we celebrate you and all that you mean to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So Luke 17 and verse 11. And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were not ten cleansed? 
And, you know, Jesus knows everything. Right? That he never really has to ask a question because he knows the answer before he asks it. And yet, sometimes we see his humanity revealed. And we see, like we would say, hang on a minute, didn't I heal ten? Weren't there ten people that went away whole just a few minutes ago? And it's kind of, there's, 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 there's almost a disappointment here. There's almost that, oh, but where are the others? <clears throat> Um, but where are the nine? They were not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. And remember, the Samaritans were um, strangers, really, to Israel. Uh, and he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. He got something more than the others got. He got something else, something different. Not because of what he did, but because of what happened inside him. All right, so first point is this. Jesus is a merciful savior. <clears throat> leprosy uh, was fatal. You would die of it. If you got leprosy, that was it. You were, you were going to die. It could take up to 30 years. Now, if I have to get told I'm dying, I'd like to die next week. You know, get a, get a week to set your things and your affairs in order. I don't want it to take 30 years. But when you were told that you had leprosy, you, you had a sentence of death on you. It was going to take 30 years for you to die. It was terrifying. Because what happened was, uh, it began to just eat your flesh away. I mean, you've seen the pictures and the worst cases of it. Limbs and fingers and pieces of flesh fell off people. And it was terrifying. So the, when you realized you had it, uh, you, you, you were facing into a future that was certain in that you were going to die, uncertain in when you were going to die, but also you were looking at your body falling apart before your eyes. Um, it was lonely. See, if you got leprosy, you were gone. Uh, your family didn't want you around. Uh, they couldn't have you around. It was illegal. Remember, the, uh, the rabbinical law was the, the law uh, in Israel. But they couldn't have you around because they didn't know how it was transmitted, and everybody was afraid they were going to catch it from you. And so uh, you, you were put out from the family. In fact, you could say this, that you died to your family at that point because they couldn't be around you. They could come and leave food for you, but they couldn't have any contact with you. You didn't get to live in the house anymore. Uh, you didn't get to have relationship with anybody anymore. You were put out. It was lonely. It was 30 years, and obviously you couldn't get a job. You were going to be poor for the next 30 years. You were going to be uh, helpless, hopeless, depending on other people uh, to meet your need. Um, and, and it was horribly disfiguring. And Here's something else, too. You stank. I mean, rotting flesh is one of the worst smells there is. And that's what happened to you. And um, <clears throat> these poor lepers were in a bad way. There's ten of them. They're banded together because, you know what, um, <clears throat> they couldn't be with any of the normal people, so they kind of picked up together. Uh, it wasn't that they were great friends or anything else. They, 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 they just happened to be together because there were, were ten of them. Uh, one writer tells a story uh, of an occasion she had to be near a modern-day leper colony. 
Something within her had always wanted to minister in a leper colony. Did you ever, did you ever think that? Did you want to be when you were a kid? Maybe you wanted to go and minister uh, in a leper colony. Well, 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 this woman always wanted to minister in a leper colony. But her trip overseas had given her the first opportunity to be near such a place. She walked by the entrance three times. She saw those who were suffering. She begged herself for a chance to go inside, but she could not. The reason? The smell overwhelmed her. She could not work up the stomach to go inside the colony. She could not bear the thought of witnessing for the Lord, but at the same time becoming violently ill as she faced human beings already acutely aware that they were different. The trip passed and she was not able to go inside. And I think we gained a new appreciation of how bad this disease must have been in the days of Christ. It wasn't just a grotesque damage or the uh, attack to our sight. It wasn't just the loud cries, the attack to our hearing. It was also the smell of rotting, decaying flesh, overwhelming even our sense of smell. These poor people were in desperate places. Honestly, I don't think that we can identify. We we can describe it somewhat, but I don't, don't think we can identify how hopeless and horrible uh, the case for them was. Uh, the rabbinical laws required that if, if they were downwind, if you, if you were downwind uh, of lepers, they had to be 150 feet away from you so the wind couldn't, uh, couldn't bring it down to you. Now, we have a problem with the two-meter rule, don't we? Uh, <clears throat> and you know what? The difference with COVID is this, right, that it's two meters for everybody. But for the lepers, it's just for you. you you're supposed to stay far away and Maybe didn't people throw stones at you? Because they were terrified. They were terrified of what it would do to them. Um, The loneliness, the emotional trauma of being excluded from your family, you died to them, but you were still alive. That's a horrible disease. It's it's hard to think of a disease that that could be worse than it. Um, Some of the older people in Ireland remember the days of TB. And um, when there was TB running riot, riot in, in Ireland, uh, you would have people that would be put to live in the garden shed at the bottom of the garden. Now, that's, that's no joke. That's real. They were, uh, the, it was the only way to keep them because it was airborne and they were afraid that it would infect the rest of the household. Or Crooksling, the nursing home now up in Crooksling, it was a TB hospital, and people were put up there uh, away from everybody else to see if they cured. They didn't always cure. Uh, it, it was a killer disease. But leprosy's much worse than that. These people are in a horrible place. So what do they do? um, Ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off, they had to, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now they probably heard stories of what he'd done in other places. They probably heard of healings. They probably heard of, uh, of the miracles. And so with one voice, when they see him, they say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So what does he do? He says to them, all right, go. Uh, um, and when he saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves unto the priests. He didn't touch them. There is another occasion when he, when he walks up to the leper and he touches the leper and, and heals him. He doesn't touch them. He doesn't do anything. They're far off. He says, okay, go. Go show yourselves to the priests. What has he done? He's healed. They don't know it till they start moving. As they start going, they, they realize they're healed. But he just speaks a word. He says, all right, go. Go show yourselves to the priests. And 
uh, as they begin to move, they're healed. Now, I don't know. I don't know the severity of their leprosy. I don't know anything about it. It, it doesn't tell us. And there were different type, kinds of um, uh, leprosy. But, but can you imagine you've got this sentence of death on yourself, this awful, terrible, crushing disease that's just isolated you from everybody that's left you hopeless, uh, left you outcast completely. And as you begin to walk to the priests, by the way, that took faith, didn't it? Because nothing had happened yet. Your body begins to be whole again. One, one of the things with leprosy is that you don't feel pain because you lose that sensation. And, and as they're walking, they begin to feel their extremities again. And, and if there were parts of them missing, they began to grow. And you say, that couldn't happen. Listen, this is Jesus. People were dead, and he told them to get up again, and they got up again. <clears throat> Jesus could, could, could do anything. There was nothing that he couldn't do. Limbs could have grown as they walked. <clears throat> that, that's not uh, impossible. We, we, we need to understand nothing is impossible with God. But as they're going... Uh, <clears throat> They're cleansed. They can feel it. They're looking at each other. They're saying, it's gone, guys. Look, it's gone. We're not lepers anymore. We've been healed. We've been cleansed. How would you feel? How would you feel in that moment? I mean, it's hard to imagine because you've never been down that low, have you? But imagine being down so low that really death was something you look forward to as a mercy. It was something that you looked forward to because it would be over then. And all of a sudden, instead of you looking at the, the rejection of people because of your rotten flesh and your stink, and uh, instead of you looking forward to your life carrying on and your body parts falling off and you being able to do less and less, all of a sudden, you're whole. And you wouldn't be believing it, would you? You'd be kind of poking yourself. You'd be touching yourself and saying, could this be real? Is, is, is it going to last? You'd be just overcome with joy. Um, you just got your life back. Your life was gone. And you've just been given your life back. And all the thoughts and family and uh, getting, you know, back home, getting to see people, getting back to work, getting to live a real life with hope and a future and everything else. All that begins to flood in for you. I think that's what happened for these guys on this day. All that began to flood in. I'm whole. I'm clean. It's gone. I'm different now. Jesus is a merciful Savior. By the way, this is off the point, but <clears throat> uh, helpful to us. Do you know, when Jesus walked uh, in Israel, there's no time when somebody cried out to him for help that he didn't help them. Now, don't take that as a blanket for you to do today because you've cried out to God for something and he hasn't give it to, given it to you. But remember that as Jesus walked through Israel, uh, he had a purpose. He was going to actually demonstrate his power as Messiah. He was going to show himself to be the Messiah. So if you cried out to him, he gave it to you. Uh, you got healed. Uh, you got your sight back. Uh, and that's what happens again and again. And so these 10, uh, all of them get healed. But <clears throat> only one of the 10 is thankful. Look what it says. Uh, and one of them, 
When he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. Now, we don't know how far he'd gone. They hadn't gotten to the priests yet, right? But we do know this. When he realized, hang on a minute, I'm healed. My my flesh is back. I'm clean. My life has been restored to me. What he did was, he turned around and he goes running back to Jesus uh, to glorify God and to, to give him thanks. Uh, now, and he, he was a Samaritan. By the way, Jesus has a point in that, right? Uh, you know, it's not religion uh, that, that saves us. Uh, and religion oftentimes, and, and thinking we're the righteous ones, actually gets in the way. Self-righteousness is one of the worst, is if, if not the worst sin uh, we find in the Bible. But, but this man is a Samaritan, and, and he turns back. Now, now, what happened to the other nine? I, I'm sure they meant to, didn't they? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? If that was you that you were here? Oh, yeah, listen, I'm going back. First, I've got go to go to the priest. I'm, I'm sure they meant to. I, I'm sure they were thankful. But they didn't come back. They didn't come back. They just went and got on with their lives. Why did the nine not bother? They got excited and real busy. They were Jews, maybe, and they felt entitled. I'm sure they told everyone. I'm sure it became part of their story. Yeah, I used to be a leper, but you know what? I got healed. That guy, what's his name? Uh, he used to be in Nazareth. They've crucified him since, by the way. Uh, what's his name? Je- Jesus, he, he healed me. I'm sure it became part of their story. It became part of their, their life, and, and they took, but they didn't come back. They never came back. They never came to glorify God and to say thanks. You see, here's what happened. The blessing of the gift blinded them to the giver. The gift became everything. And the giver was forgotten about the, the gift of what they had now became the most important thing to them, and they forgot about Jesus. They failed to understand that the giver, not the gift, is the most important thing. Have you done that? Have you done that sometimes with God? Have you done that where you've, where you've come to the place where you've had a problem, you've had a difficulty in your life, and you've prayed about it and sought God, and God stepped in and God fixed it for you. And you were all about what he fixed. You were all about how good life was for you now. You were all about the change that he made for you. But not all about him. It's very easy to do that. It's very easy for us to be just overcome with joy because of the gift And we miss the giver. And you see, the gift and the giver are not equals. The giver is what you need. The gift is just something to bring you to the giver. Something to to bring you to Jesus. Something to, 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 to break through your darkness and show you that there's a God that loves you and wants relationship with you. Jesus is grieved, not that they didn't come back to thank him, but that they didn't give glory to God for their healing. 
That's, that, that's, that's what he's upset about. And you see, that's a major issue in Scripture. It's a major issue for God. Um, God's complaint against Israel is that they don't recognize his goodness to them. They fail again and again to give him glory. Let me give you a couple of examples of uh, Scripture. Uh, Isaiah 1 verse 2 says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. For the Lord hath spoken, I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. We have a dog at home, Lou. And um, Lou is Hannah's dog, but I feed Lou at night, right? Lou knows somehow. She's got some kind of a clock in there. She knows when it's getting near to feeding time at night. And she'll come around and start pulling out of me because she knows, you know what? He's the guy that puts the food, gives, gives me the food now. She knows that. You know, if you have an animal, if you, if you watch the, uh, the, the cattle in a field and you watch the farmer pulling up with his trailer with the food, they're all making a beeline for the gate. Hey, listen, the feeder has come. Uh, right? And what God is saying is, you know what? The animals know who feeds them. But my people don't. They don't consider. They don't give me glory. They don't come back to give thanks. And again and again, if you read the rest of Isaiah chapter 1, what you find is uh, that, that God takes issue with them. That God has a major problem with Israel. Why? Because they don't know. Don't get it. They don't know. It's me that provides for them. It's me that gave them their land. It's me that looks after them. It's me that feeds them. It's me. They don't know. Romans 1 Verse 21 says this, says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was dark. And then a couple of verses later it says, Wherefore God gave them up. God said, right, go on, on you go. Why? Because they weren't thankful. They knew God. They, they knew God at one point, but they weren't thankful. They weren't thankful for the things that God gave them. They weren't, they weren't <clears throat> worshiping uh, the God that provided for them and that met their needs and that took care of them. And because they weren't thankful and worshiping, what happened was their foolish hearts became darkened and their, uh, <clears throat> they became vain in their imaginations. And God said, okay, go on. And, and he let them go into their own wickedness. Now, <clears throat> I'd love to think that doesn't happen among Christians. You know, I, I would love to think that as Christians, well, we're different. We're, we're better. We're cut from a different cloth, and we are thankful people. But, you know, the reality of life is this, that anything I see in the Bible uh, with the nation of Israel, I'm capable of. And so are you. And I know this, that my nature is not to be thankful. My nature is to harp on and focus on the things that I haven't got. My nature is to, is to want God to do more for me, is to want greater gifts from him. My nature is not to actually be thankful. And being thankful is a pretty big deal with God. You and I recognizing what he does in our lives is pretty important. The Bible says that he is a jealous God and he will not share his glory with another. In other words, he wants you to recognize what he's done for you. He wants you to live in that space where you're thankful to him for all that he's done. 
You know, we get caught up in all kinds of sins because we live uh, in a, a broken world and, and, and sin be, becomes part of us. But you know what? The issue of not being thankful very often is behind the dumb stuff that we do that's not helpful to us. And God wants us to be thankful. But one came back. What happened for him? He's, you know, he goes out, they're, they're, they're ten, ten of them are all together, they're, they're, they're a band of kind of friends uh, because they've all got leprosy, and, and, and Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priests, and so they set off, and they realize, oh my goodness, look, we're whole again. Our lives have been given back. What happened to this man that turned back? Somehow he realized that his biggest problem wasn't his leprosy. And his greatest need wasn't to have his leprosy removed. His greatest need was this man that could heal even a leper like him. His greatest need was somebody that had that power that could actually speak a word and his life would be changed. Can you imagine how he came back? He says with a loud voice he glorified God. Uh, I imagine, thank you, thank you, thank you. Maybe with tears. Possibly with tears. Um, I'm back. No more missing bits. My skin is perfect. I don't smell. That's worship, by the way. That's worship. Look what you did for me. Didn't Aaron? He, all he did was cry out with the rest of the crowd. But Jesus did it for him. You know, <clears throat> folks, we all start life as lepers. Maybe we don't have missing bits. Maybe we don't stink so openly. But we all start out life as sinners, going our own way and doing our own thing. Living life for self. Making sure it's all about me. We all start off like, life like that. But sometimes God steps into your mess, doesn't he? And it is a mess. It can be a real bad-looking mess or it can be a not-so-bad-looking, but it's a mess. God steps into your mess. What do you do at that point? What do you do when God steps in to the mess in your life? Do you just keep on going? See, these nine, they were religious. They were going to the priest. They were going to uh, fulfill their obligations as far as religion was concerned. They were going to do the right thing. But this guy... That wasn't what he wanted. He wanted Jesus. Somehow, he wanted to get near to this guy, Jesus. That's what he wanted. That's, that's what he came back for. Um, you know, <clears throat> while nine went off to fulfill their religious obligations, this man returned to Jesus. That's a relationship. He somehow understood that the giver, not the gift, was what's important. You know what? You'll never be thankful till you realize that it's the giver, not the gift, that's important. That it's him and not what you're looking for from him. And not even what he gives you. It's him that's important. It's him that you need. See, we live in a broken, messed up world. 
And, <clears throat> you know, we go around and we're all kind of touched with leprosy. And we come to Jesus and, folks, we are all broken. And by the way, if you don't understand that, you're going to be constantly disappointed with people. Because they, they never make it for you. They, they, they never get it all the way. They, they, they can't. But all the brokenness and the mess of this world, there's one that stands. There's one who is lifted up high, flawless, perfect, radiating love and giving to all that come to him. And, and he's the answer to all the brokenness around you. He's the answer to your brokenness. He's the answer. And it's when you realize that. It's him I need. See, it's interesting. Uh, there's three, three, three words that are used, right? Uh, uh, when he saw that he was healed, right? So uh, they all got healed, right? And um, if you look down the verses there, uh, we're not ten cleansed. Ten were healed and ten were cleansed. But look at the end of the verse there. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Only one was made whole. You see, the gift could heal them. The gift could cleanse them. But only Jesus can make you whole. Only Jesus can make you whole. You're a broken person living in a broken world. And only Jesus can make you whole. Only coming to him. Everything else that you try is going to fail you. It has been made that way. Everything else. Money. <clears throat> pleasure. It doesn't matter what. It's going to fail you. These guys went off. These healed. They went back to their families. I'm sure they had you know, reasonable lives after that. But they weren't made whole. By the way, the word whole there uh, is a Greek word, sozo, and it's translated several times uh, as the word saved. And I think genuinely what happened is nine people got healed. One person got healed and saved. One, per one person got healed and made whole. You see, Jesus healed a lot of people. He opened the eyes of many. He fed thousands. He even raised the dead. But they were not saved by the miracle. Understand that. The miracle didn't save them. That wasn't the purpose of the miracle. The purpose of the miracle was to bring them to him to deal with their bigger problem. See, the leprosy wasn't the biggest problem these guys had. Now listen, you would be forgiven if you had leprosy from thinking that's the biggest problem I have. That wasn't their biggest problem though. Their biggest problem was that they were sinners on their way to hell. That they were people who were dead spiritually and not alive to God. That was their biggest problem. That was, that was the biggest need in their lives. And you see, the, the, the miracle is to bring somebody to him. Has God done some good things in your life? Listen, God doing good things in your life is not salvation. Salvation is when you come to him and get made whole. God's a great giver. God blesses all kinds of people, none who deserve it. We don't deserve none of us deserve it. But you know what? God blessing you doesn't save you. It's when you come to him 
and realize your need of him and realize you're not enough on your own. I need him. It's when you come to the place where you, where you, where you, where you realize, well, well, praise God that I'm healed, but you know what? I, I want this guy. It's, it's when, you, when you don't bother going to the, to, to the priest to get declared clean and you, and you forget about your family and all that needs to happen and you realize he's more important than any of it. And you come running back to him because you need him. Because you know what? That's what we need. We need Jesus. All of us need Jesus. I love the translation that says made whole because that's what happens when you get saved. You get made whole. Your spirit is brought to life. You connect with the spirit of the living God and for the first time in your life, you're a whole being. That's what happens when you get saved. For the first time in your life, you're a whole being. And listen, it doesn't stop. It's going to go and grow and you're going to get closer to him and you're going to get more whole if that's possible. But you know what? Now the means for making you whole has been put in place. It says you relate to God uh, through your spirit, with his spirit, God begins to work in you and to make you whole and to change the things that are wrong in your life and to fix you up and to change you. But it's him. It's, it's, not, it's not religion. It's not you getting your act together and kind of deciding you're going to do the right thing from now on. Listen, it's important for you to make decisions. I think they're important, but you know what? You can't do it. It's him. The decision you need to make is to run to him, whatever it costs. You see, <clears throat> like lepers, when, when we get made whole, what happens is God steps in and he begins to change us. He begins to work in our lives. So let me ask you the question. Are you the one in ten? And remember, the odds are against you being the one in ten. Nine out of ten people are not thankful. Because your nature and my nature are not thankful. Are you the one in ten? Have you come to Jesus to give thanks and to worship because he's the center of it all? You see, these nine went away. And you know what they spent the rest of their lives doing? I'm guessing, okay, because the Bible doesn't say it. They spent the rest of their lives looking for somebody to make them feel better. Isn't that what everybody does? They went home to their families and they thought, you know what, I'll go home, my wife will be so thrilled to, to, to see me and my kids will be so excited and, and everything's gonna be great and wonderful and happy and we're gonna live happily ever after and they didn't, because nobody does. They went home expecting all that and they lived with an aching, gnawing emptiness, but they were healed. But they were cleansed. But they weren't made whole. Because only relationship with Jesus can make you whole. And that's what you and I need. That, that's what all of us need. You know, it's Christmas. And we're all about Christ and not Xmas, aren't we? Why? Because Xmas seems to exclude Christ from the picture. But you know, <clears throat> writing an X instead of Christ, is not what excludes Christ from the picture. What excludes Christ from the picture is Christmas is all about you. And for a season that's supposed to be all about a savior, it's incredible how much it becomes all about us. It's incredible how self-focused we can become. 
during this season. You know, how, how we're, 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 we're looking for gifts and the things I want. And we're even giving gifts. And we're, you know, we're going to be the great giver in the situation. By the way, there's nothing wrong with giving of gifts. When something great happens in your life, you know what? It's a good thing to give gifts. That's the idea of Christmas. Something great has happened. Jesus has come. We're happy. We're excited. We're redeemed. We're saved. Let's give each other gifts. But if you miss the Jesus part of it, and you don't give thanks to him, and you just get caught up in all the rest, it's just all about you. And whether you call it Christmas or Xmas, you know what? It's still all about you. It's still all about you. <clears throat> you see, what would Christmas, Christmas, look like? What would, it, what would it look like? Wouldn't it be all about him and not about you? Wouldn't it be you at his feet like the leper, giving thanks and worshipping for the great gift he's brought you? Isn't that what it would be about? He, he would be the center, but you would be overcome with the gift he brings. I think this poor guy went and, went and threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he lost it. He lost the plot. He was whole, and Jesus did it. And how could he do it if he wasn't God? He gave glory to God. You would come to him, and you would worship him, and you would be made whole. You know, the, the scene that we have uh, in the cribs. When we, when we were kids, we had a crib in, crib in our home. And it was always a very big, important part of Christmas. My dad had made the crib. And it was a real important part of Christmas. And uh, the baby Jesus was put in the crib uh, <clears throat> on Christmas Eve. And it was kind of like everything in the crib focused on Jesus. You know, the, the, the ox and the donkeys and the shepherds and everybody. and They all focused on Jesus. They, they were all there because he was the center of it all. That's what Christmas is about. Christmas is about Jesus being the center of it. Now, don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean you can't give gifts. It doesn't mean you can't be a blessing to other people. It doesn't mean you can't celebrate and enjoy. But you have to remember, he's the center of it all. He's the reason we're actually giving gifts. He's the reason that we're celebrating. And you see, here's what happens. When you make him the center of it all, and you come and you worship it at his feet, and you come and you give yourself to him, he starts working in you. And power radiates from Jesus. And that's what happened for these people uh, <clears throat> that were lepers. But you know what? There's still power there. Now, he's not going to give you everything you want this Christmas. He's never given me everything I want anyway, but <clears throat> he's not going to give you everything you want. Probably wouldn't be good for you. But you know what? If you come and kneel at his feet and draw near to him, you know what will happen? You'll find yourself being made whole in his presence. You'll find the empty gnawing that's there for you most of the time gets lost in him. Gets, gets lost in the reality of Jesus. The one that saved you. The one that changed it all. Can, can I give you a challenge? 
Spend time on purpose, planned time. Right, because Christmas is a busy season. Spend time on purpose at his feet. Let him in to fix the holes, to heal the brokenness, to take away the smell of sin in your life. Come before him, bow before him, let him in. Because he's still as powerful as he was when he walked in Israel. And he'll do work in your life that you can never, ever do. We're going to sing now, <clears throat> uh, Come All You Faithful. And it's just perfect for this point. Because it's, Come All You Faithful, and the chorus says, Oh, come, let us adore him. Adore is a pretty potent word, isn't it? Adore means kind of, you get lost in him. You know, that's what fixes broken people. Getting lost in Jesus. Let's stand and <clears throat> I'll pray and then we'll sing. And do come and adore him. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts. Thank you for a Christmas time that we can remember what was done for us. Now, blessed spirit, would you just work in our hearts, Lord. In these moments, Lord, may we truly adore you. And Lord, may we know your healing touch just as these lepers did. In Jesus' precious name, amen.